Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah. Now Judah had a total of 20 kings before Judah was sent into captivity. Eight of the kings were good and 12 of the kings were evil. Hezekiah was the 12th of the kings and one of its finest. But I want you to realize as uh, the Bible drops some names here that actually Hezekiah was born with more disadvantages than we would ever realize. So let's, let's read though and flesh this out. In spite of it though, he became one of the greatest men uh, and one of the greatest kings in, in all of Judah's history. He was the son of Ahaz, who was also a king of Judah. Go to Second Chronicles 28, beginning with the first verse. And let's dig into who his daddy was, Ahaz. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And watch this. And he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord as his father David had done. Hezekiah's daddy was one of Judah's 12 wicked kings. Now you might think you had a bad role model, but Hezekiah had, 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 had almost an impossible situation. For he walked in the ways, now he was the king of Judah, but he walked in the ways of the wicked kings of Israel. He was a ruthless man with a lot of bad habits. And he made molded images for the Baals. So we see that Ahaz ignored the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of his fathers, and instead he worshipped the weather God of Canaan, the God of the sun, and the God of storm, the God called Baal. And he burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire. This man was so committed to his idolatry that he sacrificed some of Hezekiah's brothers and sisters on, on the altar to appease his false and mean and angry God. But, you know, when I read this, it, it, it amazed me. It, it, you know, th this verse just kind of floors me because it's amazing, you know, what we'll do for the devil. But we'll fall apart if God just asks us for a quarter, just 10% of what the devil wanted. I mean, just a little bit. And we, we, we'll fall apart. We'll drive an hour, sometimes two hours in this area, to work every morning for a job we don't even like. How many of y'all in the same situation? You don't have to raise your hand for that either. But, but, but you'll get up every morning, drive two hours to get to this job, to be around people you don't like, a boss that's unfair. But you won't get up on Sunday to drive 20 minutes to church. It's amazing sometimes the things we'll do for the devil. But when it comes, oh, that's just too much. Oh, that's just too much. I have to sit next to someone. I want more space. And, you know, I want, I want, I want this dude, stop. <laughs> he led according to the abomination of the nations. Ahaz just wanted to be like everybody else. He didn't have the courage to stand up and stick out. You know, when you're really a follower of God, you ought to be a little bit different. Amen. People ought to be able to tell that, you know what, there's just something different about that part. But he wanted to fit in and be like all the other nations. Now let's go back to 2 Kings 18.1. So this is Hezekiah's legacy. This is where he came from. But watch Hezekiah's life. 
Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Eli, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to what? Reign. Now, if you're familiar with the scriptures, and, and actually you really have to dig into the scriptures to know this, but Hezekiah had actually reigned as a co-regent or co-king with his dad for about 14 years. So imagine what it's like to reign alongside such a corrupt man. So, I mean, Hezekiah had every, every, every reason to go wrong in his life. And it's only when he was 25 uh, years of age that Hezekiah became the, the sole king of Israel. His, his daddy passed away, and there he was on the throne by himself. Verse 2. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. He died very young at, at only about 54 years of age. His mother's name was Abai the daughter of Zechariah. Now here's the deal. Abai had a bad husband, but she still raised a good son. Mothers, you can make a difference in spite of the knucklehead you're married to. And this was the case with Abai. And Hezekiah, in spite of his daddy, no excuses, men. In spite of his daddy, in spite of his role model, in spite of his influence, in spite of his neighborhood, Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. But watch this. According to all that his father David had done. You may not be able to choose your biological father. But you can choose your spiritual father. You can choose those you model yourself after. You can choose those you allow to influence you. You may have been dealt a terrible hand in life. But you still have a choice. And in this case... Hezekiah didn't look to his daddy, he looked to his granddaddy. And your daddy might not have been there, but an uncle may have. Uh, a granddaddy might have. There's always somebody that you can look to and learn from and change the direct, direction and trajectory of your life. Hezekiah removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, and he cut down the wooden images. Now, Chronicle says we're not going to go there that his daddy Ahaz had actually shut the temple doors. He stopped all the worship. The, 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 Levites, the Levites became unemployed. And uh, it was just a, a terrible thing. He wanted everyone to worship Baal and put statues in every na neighborhood. But, but watch this. His daddy did that. But as soon as Hezekiah became king, he reopened the temple. And actually, he reinstituted uh, the national celebration of, of Passover. And it was a paid holiday uh, once again. And the point here is you can reverse the patterns of the past. You don't have to be like daddy. You don't have to repeat the mistakes of daddy. Daddy might have been a bad man. Daddy, papa was a rolling stone. All those things. But you could become a rock. But it's your choice in your situation. But here's the place I, I wanted to get to today. And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. How I many know Moses is a good man? How is it that Hezekiah thought it was fit to break something that Moses himself, and this is the, the great lawgiver of Israel, ha had released and, and, and used for the good of the nation? But I think the question should be, what do we do when something that was originally good turns bad? And this was the case of, of Hezekiah. And actually, he was a student of Isaiah. And many of the things he did, he did in partnership with Isaiah. And Isaiah was behind 
this act and this deed. Let's take a look at this uh, uh, bronze serpent, though, before we go forward, and then we can understand what, what's happening here. Numbers 21 and verse 4. Then they, the children of Israel, journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. God did not take the children of Israel on a straight line to the promised land. Why? Because straight roads don't require much skill to travel. And God sometimes intensely chooses the dips, the valleys, and, and, and the turns, and the hills. Why? Because in them, he teaches us things about himself that we would not otherwise know. And he, requ- he sends us into places that require tremendous skill to navigate, and it's all part of God's plan and his wisdom. But here's the deal. As, as the children of Israel uh, submitted the process, the Bible says, their souls of the people became very discouraged on the way. God was taking too long. How many have been in a situation where God just seemed to be taking way too long? People got tired. They're like, you know what? This desert is hot. I'm tired of the desert heat. I'm tired of the sandstorms. I'm tired of the scorpions. I'm, I'm tired of sand in my shoes. And they bring that before Moses. And all Moses would say is keep on walking. Keep on talking. Keep on saying that. That's all he would do. And they got frustrated. And in verse 5, and the people spoke against God. And against Moses. You know, everybody wants to be out front until they realize that people who aren't happy with God won't be happy with you either. So, 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 you know, if people attack God's motives, don't be surprised that they would attack yours. Moses, he was keeping company with God. So their problem with God became their problem with Moses. And Moses didn't shirk from this. Moses didn't get upset about it. He recognized that this was par for the course. And this is what they said. They said, Moses... Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Saying, listen, Moses, if your God is really is out to get us the way he seems to be, you could have saved yourself a whole lot of energy if you just would have let the Egyptians kill us when they wanted to. I mean, why did you take us on this journey? Why the 10 plagues just for us to continue to be in the mess, you know, and unhappy with the situation that, that, that we're in? Then they continued, for there is no food and no water. Now you see a little exaggeration here, and this is generally our, our complaints aren't 100% honest. And our souls loathe this worthless bread. Now if you're paying attention to, to the book, God has already provided water out of a rock. If you're paying attention to the book, you, you, you notice that God every day is raining down manna. Manna, they didn't have to harvest. Manna, they didn't have to go into the fields to plant. They didn't have to, to fertilize. None of that. It would come down from heaven every day. But sometimes we don't notice the good things that someone does for us until they stop doing them. And and, and sometimes we're that way. We have to guard against that heart. We we, we have to learn to appreciate what we have before we, we, we can only appreciate what we had. And this was the case. And just because you may not have some things, believe me, it could be much worse Even in your current situation, you have things you can be grateful for. They lost focus and they lost sight. You know, and they got petty, really, about the issue. They were being fed. They were being clothed. They were being provided for. Uh, A fire would come down by night to keep them warm. A cloud by day to help them in the sun. I mean, they they had a lot of things going. They weren't, the people weren't beating their backs. They weren't, you know, uh, building, you know, uh, pyramids. Man, but they forgot. They they got off focus. And sometimes we get off focus and and we start trivializing the good things God's doing in our lives because it's not exactly the way we would like it to be. So the Lord sent fiery serpents. The Lord got an attitude. 
among the people. And I appreciate this about God. You know, you see, if God was just a force, the Bible would read real differently. But God is a person with personality. He has feelings and emotions. Now, he restrains some of the things he wants to do often, but when we push him enough, it's amazing the things that, 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 that we'll discover he can do. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. See, this is what happens when you keep listening to the serpent in your ear, listening to the complaints of the snake, and forget the hell God brought you out of. Do you understand where I'm going? We, we could keep messing with the little petty stuff that's not the way we want it. Yeah, I got a little pain in my leg, but, but you know what? You could, you could not have a leg. You hear what I, Okay, you got a little re, leak in your roof, but you have a roof. Your car got a flat tire, but you have a car. You don't like your boss, but you have a job. You understand what I'm saying? These types of things mess us up. Sometimes. So the Lord sent fiery snakes. This is, this is what, what God would say. He said, listen, if you want a snake, listen to the snake so bad, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of them. And that's real. Those of us that insist on going to hell, at one point, it's like, you want to go so bad? It's over his dead body, but you caught that. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. As I began to say, it's amazing how we push and push and push. But then when God pushes back, we say, well, 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 why would a loving God let such a thing happen? The real question is, what took him so long? That should be our question. And the snakes bit the people. Can you say with me, snakes on the plane, snakes on the plane, snakes on the plane. (laughs) And many of the people of Israel died. If it wasn't for the blood of the new covenant, the seats beneath each of you right now would be moving. Because we have done the same thing as the children of Israel. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. It's amazing how tough love helps us get perspective. And some of the things God lets happen in your life is just to give you perspective. God didn't create new snakes to come and break into the camp. Those snakes were already there. And probably in large measure, God had protected them from a thousand snake bites. And all he did was lift up his hand. And then all of those bites that were intended before, all of a sudden became... And we don't realize how much God has already protected us. How much, you know, we, we, we don't realize that there were seven accidents on your way to church. But you drove right through. You, you don't realize how many houses that person passed by and robbed instead of your. You, you we, we don't realize sometimes the goodness of God. But then when something does happen, Oh, God, why? But we weren't thankful when it didn't happen. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we've sinned. Hard heads make for sore behinds. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. But watch the heart of Moses. Pray to the Lord that he might take away the serpents from us. I'm sure Moses felt the sting of the personal attack. I mean, they were criticizing him and God. But if you're going to be a true spiritual leader, you have to learn to accept apologies. That's par for the course, part of the job. 
Now, you know, it's, it's one thing to come to church, but if you really want to become a part of a church community, you will only stay apart as long as you're willing to forgive because someone's bound to do something at some point. Someone's bound to give you an excuse to walk away and give up. What you do at that moment is the real measure of your spirituality. The two things that's required in order for you to, to, to make it to the end of your journey. Number one, be quick to repent. But second, be quick to forgive. Don't even wait for them to apologize. Just be in your I let them go. I let them go. That's the only way you're going to keep your heart sweet because people can do some things. But Moses, the way he handled it. So Moses cursed the people. No, because I could have thought of some choice words that he might have wanted to say. But instead, he prayed for the people. I mean, can you pray for the person who just made a personal attack 20 minutes ago? Pray for them and mean it. That's what Moses did. And God wants us to learn from this man how to lead. Then he said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. You think, why would God do that? Don't serpents represent evil? Why would God tell Moses to make a serpent and put it on a pole? I'm glad you asked. Second Corinthians 5 and 21. You know, this whole thing was a foreshadowing of Calvary. In fact, the whole Old Testament was a picture of what Jesus would accomplish in the New Covenant. You know, you read the story, and, and many Jewish people today don't understand the story of Abraham. How could God tell Abraham to kill his child? God rejects uh, a human sacrifice. It, it's immoral based on, why would God do such a thing? He did it because he was showing us what he would do. He told Abraham to do it. Abraham did it in his heart, but he stopped him because it wouldn't have been right. Why? Because he painted a picture so when God sacrificed his only begotten son, the people would recognize that's Bible. Oh, that's Moses. Oh, that's just fulfilling this type and shadow. God took Abraham up to the mountain for a reason, and he was pointing to what would happen in the future. Does that make sense to you? The Old Testament is just a picture book of all that Jesus would accomplish. So in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, Paul says this by the Holy Spirit. For he made him who knew no sin. Jesus was pure as a driven snow. Made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Jesus was put on the cross to take the punishment we deserve. So we could receive the grace and favor only he deserved. And then it explains why. Jesus didn't go to the cross because he did wrong. He didn't go to the cross because he made a mistake. He didn't go to the cross because, you know what, the soldiers and the high priests outwitted him. No, he went there that we might become the righteousness of God. The cross is the place where we swap our sinfulness for his righteousness. There was a bullet coming in each of our directions because we deserve the firing squad and the death sentence. But Jesus stood in front of the bullet and he took it so we don't have to. That's the message of the cross. When they beat his back, it was because my back was supposed to be beaten. When they uh, pulled out his beard, it's because my beard. Do you understand what I'm saying? He took my punishment, my shame, because he loved me yes. and he loved you. John 3 and 14, let's dig a little deeper. Let's listen to what Jesus said about this brass serpent, and then we'll come back to the serpent. 
He says this. He says, you know what? All the Old Testament was a picture book. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus likens himself to the brass serpent. And just as anyone who looked up to that brass serpent lived, anyone who looks away from themselves and, and their own sickness and, and looks to Jesus bearing our sin and our sin, anyone that will look to him can live. But here's the deal. Jesus wasn't pretty on the cross. Matter of fact, it was so horrible that the, the sun went into hiding and darkness covered the earth. It was gruesome when the sin of the world was placed on Jesus. He, the, 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 it was just beyond words, and, and, and he took our sin and became it. He became like a snake, and he bore it. But it's, it, 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 with, with Jesus, the sin of the world was not greater than his goodness and his righteousness and his power. It's like, uh, you ever have those brawny, you know, uh, uh, I'm doing a commercial for them now, the, uh, the, the paper towels? You know, all the sin in the world compared to Jesus was like a drip in a brawny. Do you understand what I'm saying? It absorbed it all. He took all of our punishment, he took all of our sin, and he extinguished it. It would be like, a, a hot, fiery poker. You put it in the hottest fire you can, get it as hot as you can, then stick it in a river. And the river just absorbs the heat. And Jesus on the cross, all of the world sin, not just my sin, all the world's sin was put on him. But like a poker stuck in a river, he bore it, he took it, he absorbed it. And when he absorbed it, he took our sin and punishment. And then he said, listen, I got this. You can have my righteousness. I paid the penalty. I paid the price. Does that make sense to you? Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who has been, everyone has been bitten by anger, unforgiveness, rage, doubt, unbelief, all types of sin, immorality, lust, greed. Everyone who is bitten. We might be bitten in different places and our bites might look a little different, manifest a little differently. But all of us have been bitten. But when he looks at it, he shall what? Live. In the midst of God's judgment on the Israelites, he released mercy. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.